Welcome to Prince Among Queens, featuring your host, Troy Bronstein. In this program, Troy speaks to some of the most talented recording artists in the music business. You'll hear the stories, as well as the stories behind the stories. What's big, what's now, what's next? You'll get the updates right here. Now, here's Troy Bronstein. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Prince Among Queens, and I'm your host, Troy Bronstein. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at Troy at t-besttalentagency.com. And if you'd like to call in today to speak to our special guest, you can do so on 866-472-5787. Okay, first I want to apologize because I keep saying we're going to go visual and I keep having (laughs) technical problems. And that's just me. I'm just, uh, I'm a technical idiot, I guess you can call it that because... It's not working, so I'm going to continue to try, and I'll put a little teaser on Facebook when we are ready to actually go live. But moving on there, we are still audio, and we have the distinct pleasure today of having on my show a special guest who I just adore. I love her, and I know that you out there love her as well. She's toured the world. Let's give a warm welcome to my friend, international recording artist, Miss Susie Carr. Hi, Troy. (laughs) I'm so excited to see you, honey. You look fabulous. And you you so happy to reconnect. (laughs) You look amazing. I wish everybody else could see you. Thank you. You just it took it took a minute, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's still beautiful as ever. Beautiful as ever. And I mean, you still look exactly the same, you know, to me. And um and you've known it's, me it's since just great. Thank yeah. you, darling. So, you know, and it's like I said, you still still today remind me of my sister, your mannerisms and, and everything. <laughs> and that's just that's a great thing. I love, so I love my sister. So I love that. All right. Well, let's you move on and start the sh- start the show. You, wait, and- wait, wait. You look exactly the same. Let me just <laughs> say, when I met you, you were so young and so vibrant, and you were exactly the same as you were what? 35 years ago? Oh, How prob- probably, probably. Yeah, because I'm going to be, well, 35, it's probably, yeah, I'm going to be 60. 1990? Year, so, so yeah. 30 years? Is that 30 years? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, 30 yeah, well, years. So, yeah. Maybe wow. 89. Maybe Time. 88. Time sure. how fly buys, huh? Time just is flying. I mean, we wouldn't even think. I, I mean, I still remember back then when we did that club up in in Guerneville, and you know, we were having a ball up there and just laughing wait, and going in the wait, woods. And wait, wait, what state was that? Where that was in Guerneville. That was up in, in Northern Cali- California, Northern California. Oh, right. Up yeah, in oh, Sonoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was great. So yeah. But um, all right, well let's 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 get the the listeners. They don't want to hear about us rehashing our time, so they want to hear about you. But um, for those of you that aren't uh, aware, Susie Carr is an American singer who was part of the act of Will to Power, and as a solo artist, she also had some uh, some hits all over me, "Love Me for Life," and "I Knew You When." But so Susie, let's let's go to the very 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 beginning. So from what I read and what I heard, you started in the I'm going to say the musical genre, whether it's singing or playing an instrument or anything, around the age of seven with a piano. Was that correct? Oh, we all started piano at the age of seven. I remember, I think all I ever wanted to do was be a singer. I remember when I was three or four years old, you know, we didn't have seatbelts back then. Uh I remember standing up in back of the car, hanging on to like the driver's seat or the passenger seat in the front making up songs and singing. I just, it was just something I always wanted to do. That's probably one of my earliest memories. And our family was very musical. Um, My dad and his brother and his sister. Mm 
mm-hmm. were all musical and all the kids started piano at the age of seven. And their mother was a piano teacher. And oh. I think she may have been a voice teacher too, but they all played instruments and sang. And um, so I grew up in a really musical family. And my brother, who was a year older than me, was like Liberace. I mean, he was just like a child genius of piano. And um, he was way ahead of me. By the time I started, I was awful. I hated piano. <laughs> so my dad let me quit. He said, I'll let you quit. He let me quit about six times. He said, I'll let you quit because I know you're going to pick up another instrument later down the line. And he said, I didn't like piano either. And I picked up sax. So he said, I'll let you quit, but only if you pick up another instrument. I said, okay, okay. So when I was in the fifth grade, I picked up trumpet. And I was awful and I hated it. I was not <laughs> good playing instruments. I was terrible. I remember we had a little um, auditorium. We had a little auditorium at the grade school. We had a concert and I had the solo. And when I got up to play my solo on the trumpet, it went blank. I couldn't get anything to come out. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> so I quit trumpet shortly after that. And I always wanted to sing. And my dad bought my... We had like an upright piano when we first started. And then we, my dad bought us the piano that Liberace had played on. And he oh, bought wow. it for me. He bought it for me and I couldn't play, but my brother was great. So, of course, my brother played it all the time. And I, we, we don't know how it came about. It was like a, we think that Liberace probably performed a concert on the piano and that's how he played on it. And then we bought it after that, but it was like mm-hmm. a promotion that the music store was promoting that we oh, yeah, yeah. played on this particular piano. So I remember my dad bought that one and it, it was pretty fabulous. And it was almost as though Liberace's spirit went into my brother. I mean, he played just like Liberace. It was the wow. weirdest thing. I mean, he's an incredible piano player. And uh, to, to he, you know, he even started doing Liberace shows later in life, like in the past <laughs> five years where he'd have a chandelier on the piano and dress up like Liberace and do shows like that. Uh, Maybe he did channel. Maybe he did channel through that. (laughs) I know. It's so weird. But anyway, that's how we started. And I ended up getting to take uh, voice lessons when I was about 12 or 13 Mm -hmm. from the Methodist. Let's see. This man was a professor at concert and he played piano or no, his his wife played piano at our church or something like that. Anyway, I ended up taking voice lessons from him, which, you know, weren't, I don't know. So for any, my, my advice to anyone out there who wants to be a singer, pick out the style you like. Someone that you look up to and that you think is great, study them, sing along with them, play their music over and over again, memorize their songs. And I think that's the best way to, to learn how to sing because you have to develop your own style. I couldn't sound like anyone. I couldn't copy anybody. I would stay in my room for hours singing. Ain't nothing like the real thing. Uh, <laughs> Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Uh-huh. Hours, hours. I would stand, be in my room by myself playing that record over and over again, singing it. And then when I became a professional singer, my goal was to be the greatest jazz singer of our time. So I studied Ella Fitzgerald. I studied Billie Holiday, all the great jazz singers. Sarah Vaughn. Sarah Vaughn was my favorite. Mm. And I started out singing jazz. Well, I started out with the pop band, but I always wanted to sing jazz. And then I kind of moved on to that, to to the jazz band. And I think one of my greatest compliments I ever got, I have to share this with you, um, my drummer was Phyllis Hyman's drummer. Do you know who Phyllis Hyman is? 
I believe so. He's yes. a really famous singer in Florida, South Florida. Right. And she, she committed suicide early in life, but she was one of my favorite singers. And she was on this Norman Connors album where she did Bitch by Golly Wow. Did you ever hear the mm-hmm. female mm-hmm. version of that? That's uh, Jean, um, Phyllis Hyman. And then Jean Carn, they were my mentors. They were the people that I loved the way they sing the most. Jean Carn did, um, um, Oh God, I forgot the name. Gingy, the song named Gingy on that mm-hmm. album too. Anyway, so we were playing at this place called the Cricket Club in North Miami. It was like a private club at the time where all the drug dealers hung out and all the rich people. <laughs> and it was like a happening place. And they had two bands. They had my jazz band with, with Phyllis Hyman's drummer. And it was a great band. And then they had um, a pop band with Larry Dermer, who was a keyboard player. He was 16. And he was the guy that did all this Miami Sound Machine, Gloria Estevan song. Oh, okay. He was brilliant, but he was only 16 at the time when I met him. And he was playing with Johnny Depp's band. Oh. Johnny Depp had a band in Miramar. He was in Miramar, Florida, and he had a band that uh, when they were 16 that they played. Johnny played guitar and uh, Larry Dermer played keyboards. So, um, and Larry went on actually to play on our World of Power stuff too. But... um, they were in a band together. I'm sure Johnny Depp came in to see him, and I didn't even know. But anyway, Johnny Depp worked in a store down there. And so I said to one of my friends that lives out here that used to go to all of the movie premieres, mm-hmm. I said, the next time you go to a Johnny Depp premiere, call me so I can, I want to drive, and I want to stand across the street, and I want to watch him walk in because I love him. She goes, Susie, don't you remember him? And I said, no. And she goes, he used to wait on us at that store and nose for clothes. And I said, what? I remember a pair of boots that Johnny Depp sold me. He was like, not happy. He, you could tell he didn't want to be there. And I remember a pair of boots that he sold me. And I had no idea that's who he was until she put it together. Wow. But anyway, so anyway, um, we're, we're working at the cricket club at this jazz club. And well, it's not a jazz club. It's in every kind of, they had a disco in the basement and then they had two bands upstairs, but it was a very happening place right on the water. People would pull up on their yachts. And so anyway, we're doing betcha by golly. Wow. And Phyllis Hyman happens to walk in oh. and she came up to the stage and she introduced herself. And of course she knew Billy, my drummer, cause he worked with her. And she said, I just want to tell you, when I walked in, I thought they were playing a record of me. And then I realized you were singing live. And she said, I'm so impressed with your voice. And it's like the best compliment I've ever gotten. Wow. She's one of the greatest <laughs> singers ever. Yeah, yeah. she she was uh, very, very talented. And it was very sad, tragic how, you know, she yes. ended her life like that. But um, um She's a singer-singer. All singers love her. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, um, uh, Robin S., another um, singer of our group, she recorded um, one of her songs that uh, Robin sings all the time. Yeah. And, which um, one? I'm, I'm trying to... Oh, th- I know which one. Yes, yes. Uh, um, like, it was one of Phyllis's first songs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting the melody in my head, but I can't remember. The I know, me too. Yeah, so it'll, it'll pop in my head and then I'll say, oh, yeah. it was this, you know. <laughs> but yes. um, uh, so then... right. So to ask you then, so who inspired you to, to sing then? Like the, the oldies, Ella Fitzgerald and them? Or, yes. Or? No, I didn't listen. I remember my dad used to play... You know how to love me. That was the name of the song. You know I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly. I would I would sing it, but my voice sucks right now. It takes two weeks to get my voice back enough to do a show. Um, um, my dad used to play Mahalia Jackson and mm-hmm. Ella, 
but I, we, I, I wasn't like, you know, I was a kid, so I, I wasn't really into it, but, or, you know, I didn't pick it apart. However, I, where I grew up, we didn't have country music. You know, I grew up in the South and most mm-hmm. southern part of West Virginia, and mm-hmm. we didn't have country stations there, which is the weirdest thing because, you know, the South is known for country music. We, I listened to all Motown growing up. Um, oh, okay. I love Tammy Terrell, Marvin Gaye. I love Diana. I loved Aretha. I listened to all those people growing up. And then as I got older, I think I really learned how to sing with Carol King because uh, it was so easy to sing with her. And that's the only song I can play on the piano is uh, We Used to Love Me Tomorrow. But um, I remember I remember just kind of learning to sing with her and Barbara Streisand, too, because mm. that was back when Barbara Streisand did Didn't We and all those, you know, she had all right. these fabulous right. ballads that, that singers like well that was going to be your your you know that was your dream like you said earlier yes. you know to be the best you know jazz singer and yes. uh, you know that whole that whole genre but yes. um so well cool that's that's very cool that didn't work out <laughs> you're still a fabulous singer so yeah <laughs> Thank it, you. It, it did uh, it did work out it did work out and you've had an amazing career so we're gonna continue to go on about your career we're gonna take a quick little break here and um we're gonna play uh a piece of you know your biggest uh, I'm going to say your biggest hit with the group um, Will to Power uh, Oh Baby I Love the Way so or Ooh Baby how do you what's a what's a correct Ooh, one Baby I Love Ooh, Your baby. Way Ooh Baby I Love Your Way so we'll be back in a minute with Susie Carr enjoy. This is Crystal Waters, and you're listening to my favorite prince, Troy Bronstein, on Prince Amongst Queens on voiceamerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day, we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control, and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. 
In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all of our show archives on demand, all from your iOS, Amazon Kindle, or Android device. Download it from the Apple App Store, Amazon, or Google Play, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on The Voice America Channel. Dive on in. That's right. Dive on into my favorite Prince Among Queens, Troy Bronstein. You tell him Debbie Holiday sent you. You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at T besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens. All right, welcome back. We are here with the fabulous Miss Susie Carr. So, move, <laughs> moving along, Susie. So, um, when when you decide, I don't want to say when you decided because you decided to start singing when you were a little kid, but your first, I'm going to say major because you also, I'm just going to contradict myself by saying your first group um, singing, but you played in those other groups that played in those clubs, but Will to Power. How did Will to, Will to Power was actually your first major group that you were involved oh, in. Oh, yeah. That right? That, okay. Yeah, that's okay. my only major group. <laughs> that's my only <laughs> group that ever really did anything, yeah. Okay. So everything how did that, else was leading how, up to that? Okay. So everything led you up to that. But so how was that? How did that come about? How did you land the part, you know, with, with Will to Power? I mean, I had been singing at the Marriott in Fort Lauderdale. It was called the River Watch. Mm-hmm. They had stolen me from the biggest club in Fort Lauderdale. It was called September. We had a seven, I think we had an 18 piece orchid. We had like string section, horns four lead singers and an entire rhythm group. So mm. it was a huge club. It was called September. They built it uh, and, and put a pool in and it was very elegant. And the owner moved me over from Uptown, which had been the biggest club in Fort Lauderdale over to September. And uh, when he opened September, anyway, uh, the man who owned the Marriott, Pete Roberts, was a uh, what a lovely man he stole me and the um another lead singer charles who was an amazing singer he stole the two of us had us put our band together and we started at the river watch the river watch had been the least money maker of every marriott in the world it, mm. it made the least amount of money and it was it was a huge club so anyway, he, he put, had us put our band together. Within two months, it was the biggest moneymaker in the world. Wow. For Marriott lounges. Mm-hmm. And it was big. It was, it, was, it was a great club. Anyway, I put together, um, this, I put together about a six-piece band, and I had a sax player. And my original sax player was um, Casey and the Sunshine Band sax player, Tim. Oh, okay. He was adorable. 
So Tim left to go back on the road with KC, so I had to get another sax player. So that's when I got Dr. J. Well, mm. Dr. J was an amazing talent, still is. He still sounds amazing and plays great. And, oh, my God, he's had such a wonderful life. Um, anyway, he joined the group, and he and I were really, really good friends. So the, the Marriott, we were there for, I think, six years straight, five or six wow. years straight. And we made a lot of, they paid us really well. So when Pete Roberts sold it, he turned it over. Whoever bought it wanted to get rid of us because we cost him a lot of money. So they fired us. So they <laughs> gave us like a two-week notice or something. And, and you know, we'd been there for a long time, so it wasn't like real upsetting or anything. Right. So the manager of the dining room said to me, Susie, you need to come down tomorrow. They're having a, a dance music seminar here. And he said, you need to come. Uh, it's called the Winter Music Conference. And right. you should come down and try to hook up with some music people and, you know, get your records out. Because I've been trying to get a record deal forever. I've been turned down by probably every major record company. And I had $100,000 worth of demos. And, you know, I, I put my whole heart and soul into it. And so I did. I, I got all dressed up and I went down to the seminar. And, and as you know, Dance music, we have a mainly Hispanic audience, as you mm -hmm. know, in the dance industry. And we have mainly Hispanic artists, Hispanic or black. There are very few white people like me. I mean, I'm like pure white. There are very <laughs> few of us in the dance industry. You know, you know what I'm saying? Right. Because it's a dance, you know, they're into the rhythm and the beat of the music. And it's, it's different from like a pop sound or whatever. So anyway, I went down and I was probably the only white girl there definitely the only blonde hair blue eyed one. And so <laughs> I, I was standing in the middle of the meeting room, you know, the room, they were having a, they had a panel where people mm -hmm. were talking about, maybe it was an artist panel. I'm, I don't even remember what kind of panel it was, but they were talking, probably distribution or something. They were talking about how to get your 12 inches out or whatever. Anyway, so I'm, I'm standing there listening to the um, music. I mean, listening to the panel and I turn around and look behind me, and there's this really good-looking white guy with long hair that looked like a—he looked like he just gotten off a motorcycle or something, you know, like a, <laughs> like a—I don't know, just kind of like a Sam Elliott back in the day, right? Yeah, like yeah, like hot, <laughs> like like uh, he had like a, a sleeveless shirt on, and he had. He worked out a lot. He had big arms. I thought, oh, my God, that guy's so hot. So when I, he was standing up against the wall. So I turned around and looked at him. And when he saw me looking at him, he turned around to look who I looked to see who I was looking at. And it was a wall. So that was the first time I'd ever seen Bob. And so I met Curtis Urbino while I was there. And he became a good friend. Curtis is a New Yorker. He had, um, he had a, a label in New York and he was always putting artists out. He, he's a wonderful man. So anyway, I, I met him. He was the only really friend, I guess I made at that first thing. So I was hanging out with Curtis and the next day I went to the um, a conference again. I think I went like three days in a row or something. But anyway, the, the, the last day I went, Curtis went with me to pick up my pictures. I had, I had a, uh, this guy from Miami who was like the biggest photographer in Miami mm -hmm. and David Vance. Oh my God. He was so good. He did my makeup. He did my hair. I mean, he was like the greatest photographer. He had done Gloria Estevan and I found out about him through her because I had uh, written two songs for her. 
So I said, I need to get pictures. And they said, oh, you got to go to Dave Vance. He's the best. So I went and I went to pick my pictures up. And David, I mean, uh, Curtis Urbino, the New Yorker that I made friends with, drove with me. So at that time, I was driving a white Porsche, which I loved. It was like the Scarface Porsche. Mm-hmm. It was white with red leather interior. It was such a great car. My boyfriend bought it for me. And it was uh, he gave it to me for my birthday one year. And I oh. walked outside, and there was a big red ribbon on it. And it was like the coolest <laughs> car I ever had. So anyway, at that time, I was driving that car. And um, Curtis went with me. We pull up. We valet park. We get out of the car to walk back into the music seminar at the Marriott. And... Bob is standing there with some, with some artist. I don't know who she was. I guess somebody he was working with at the time. But anyway, uh, Curtis introduced me to Bob. So that was the first time I met him. Okay. Bob was a producer. Will Power is what I'm leading up to. So we just said hi. That was it. We didn't really talk or anything. I think I gave him a promo shot. And uh, about a month or two later, Jelly Bean was spinning at, mm. the, at Backstreet. Oh, okay. So I met, or Curtis introduced me to Jelly Bean. That's right. Curtis introduced me to Jelly Bean that, that day. Or, you know, it, during the seminar. So Jelly Bean was um, spinning at Backstreet, and I was singing at another club. So after I got off work, I went down to watch Backstreet. Jelly Bean spin. Mm-hmm. And as, as I was walking in, Bob was walking out. And uh, I said, oh, hi, I met you at the music seminar. And he goes, I said, I'm a singer. And he goes, oh, I'm looking for a singer. I have this song. It's going to be a huge hit. I just wrote it. It's going to be a huge hit. So I said, well, I've got some demos. You want to hear my demos? So he, he came to my little Porsche and sat in my car and listened to my demos. And then I walked over to his car and listened to his song that he had just written. It was going to be such a big hit. So he, so I had like $100,000 worth of demos. I mean, they sounded good. You know, they sounded like records. They They weren't. They, nobody ever signed them because they probably weren't songs that people would, you know, think would be right. a big hit, but they sounded good. <laughs> it, my first song I ever recorded, Bobby Caldwell produced, mm. and he char- it, it was like a $30,000 demo. Wow. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But it sounded <laughs> good. But anyway, so I go to Bob's car, and he had like this little Casio thing that he played. And... I guess he had like, he like programmed a little drum beat on it. It was all like stuff that he had programmed himself and he's not a musician. So it was just him like, you know, picking out stuff. So he plays me this song and he goes, it's going to be a huge hit. And I'm thinking, God, that sounds like a two year old wrote it. And I'm sitting there thinking, damn, I'm way too overqualified to sing this stuff. And I said, well, you know what? Um, I'm kind of overqualified to sing this kind of song. I said, but I'll do you a favor and I'll sing on it. I'll sing it if you'll produce something on me. Cause I could tell he had like the heart of a producer. Right. I could tell he could be a great producer, although he wasn't a musician. I could tell he had great ideas and stuff. And he goes, okay. So we go into the studio and we worked on the song for, I think, a year and a half. I, I think it was, a, I think it was, I think it was a year and a half because that was in the spring. And then his sister died in August. And then we didn't come out with the record until the following spring. So mm. I don't know. It was it was a year at least, maybe longer. Anyway, it was dreaming. Okay. So I remember I remember saying, I remember when Dreaming hit. I mean, it was huge. I was playing at a club in um in in uh Coconut Grove. 
And during the breaks, we would go into the kitchen because the cooks in the kitchen would turn the, turn the radio up really loud. And they would do the countdown. And every mm. night they would count down and Dreamin' was in the top 10 countdown. And every night they would count down and it was number one for like 13 weeks in a row. And wow. I was singing in this club, going into the kitchen to listen to it on the radio on my breaks, you know. <laughs> so I remember we did our first show at 1245 was the name of the club in Miami. And Rigo Garcia took the head count. And the head count was 1245 uh backwards so 4,500 you know 5,400 whatever that comes out 1245 mm-hmm. backwards is anyway that's how many people attended that night and nice and wild we did it with nice and wild and they were great they they were like people go crazy screaming for them and and I brought Dr. J in because it was just Bob and I so uh we needed a show and Bob didn't really you know he just played <laughs> yeah well he didn't really play but he didn't play but um yeah so jay played the sax and he was a great sax player so jay came in and jay was a great dancer so he, he kind of pretty much carried the show because he was very visual and you know he got the crowd going and did all the you know hey ho all that stuff he was great he could really get the crowd right, man. So anyway, that was our first show mm-hmm. yes yeah, so that's dr- how that started so dreaming actually dreaming um became um popular uh, before actually it was re- it was released because um, it was leaked out a little bit like Power 96 and some of the stations and then they were playing it and then is yeah. that when Epic decided well hey you know maybe no, we should pick this, this up and, and no, do that this is what happened this is what happened we well, hold, uh, Bob, hold, hold okay, that okay, thought okay, unless you can make it back. unless you can make it in like 30 seconds because we got to no, take it we got to <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think you could, so I said, well, hold that thought. All right, so you're going to hear a little piece right now of that song, Dreamin'. That is the one that basically launched it, and uh, we'll be back with Susie Carr in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hi, this is Jeannie Tracy. You're listening to our favorite prince, Roy Brunstein, on Prince Among Queens on VoiceAmerica.com. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, 
business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Hi, this is Linda Clifford, and you're listening to A Prince Among Queens featuring Troy Bronstein. Listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at T besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens. All right, welcome back. We are here with the lovely Miss Susie Carr. And Susie, you were telling us about the whole thing as far as dreaming and and how that all came about. So why don't you continue with that? So uh, Bob was working at Power 96. He did um, mixes there. Oh, they were great. He'd take like five songs and put them together. I I forget what you call them. The mix show, yeah. So um, he got it on Power and then all the other stations picked it up. So it was it was a huge summer hit. It mm-hmm. was number one for 13 weeks in a row. I remember I'd be driving in, uh, I had moved to Hollywood by that time. And I'd be driving around, you know, around Hollywood. And I'd pull up beside somebody in their car and they'd be pumping. Dreaming would be so loud. It'd be vibrating my car. Like everybody <laughs> was playing it everywhere. I remember Bob and I one night, about two or three in the morning, we stopped at like a Seven Eleven to get mm-hmm. something to drink, you know, like water or Coke or whatever. And the guy who was standing behind the ice cooler, or not, you know, the the he was stacking the cokes, the cups and, the and stuff, yeah, drink, the soft drinks into the water cooler, or okay. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So he, we couldn't see him. He was behind the cooler, stacking it, filling it up, stocking it, and. Um, he was singing Dreamin'. He was singing it by himself, acapella. He was just singing, whoa, whoa, tell me that I'm dreaming. And Bob and I looked at each other. It was like such a touching moment. You How know? awesome. It, yeah. It so touching. And, and I mean, people everywhere were singing. It was it was the biggest hit of the summer. Every car you drive, you know, I mean, I heard it pumping out of people's cars all the time. But anyway, so it was on a, uh, Bob put it on a 12 inch. He created a label called, um, God, I can't remember the name of Thrust, Thrust Records. Thrust Records, yeah. Yeah, so he put it on, so all the DJs were playing that, and every, you know, I remember we would go into, we would take hair dryers and do the wrap on it. What's it called? The cellophane. Yeah, the cellophane wrap. Cellophane on them. I Mm -hmm. I remember doing that. So anyway, he he knew all the, the guys that distributed it. I don't know that side of the business at all, but he was really plugged in with all those people, and they, they got it out there and distributed it, and did a great job with it. And then um, he had me call like all the labels, um, you know, the big labels to see mm-hmm. if they wanted to pick it up. So he wanted to go with Motown, but they weren't, they weren't interested, but every label wanted it. So mm-hmm. my attorney, Paul Schindler was really tight with Epic. So I introduced Bob to Paul Schindler, my attorney. Mm-hmm. And so he ended up signing signing it with Epic. But Bob signed himself as the artist, so I wasn't on the deal. Right. Unbeknownst to me. Unbeknownst to me. I didn't right. know this was 
not. But anyway, that's how that. <laughs> So that's, that's how that all started. That. But then now, that's when he when he signed when he signed with Epic, um, they also were more interested in an album than just the single, yes. correct? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's how the album came about. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. So that's how it all the other came about. And um, on the album, you had of course um, another great track, "Say It's Gonna Rain," which was an awesome hit. And um, I mean, it all boiled yeah. down to you know um, the mixture. I was gonna say, or the 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 medley of. Uh, Ooh, Baby, I Love the Way and Freebird, which created the yeah. song, you know, that basically, I don't want to say put Will's Power on the map because they were already on the map prior to that. But um, it, it was the biggest It was the biggest hit. I mean, it was number one in the UK. It was on the top 100. It was on adult contemporary. It was on just about every single chart yeah. that it could be on, which is the best kind of song, you know, you can yeah. have. So you have multiple audiences and you have multiple play and multiple radio so it's like, you know, you could have 10 cars and all of them are on a different radio station and they could all be playing that song at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? it, it was the only one of our songs that had gone pop. It was the only pop. Right, had, right. You know, That's the one. charts, but this was on the pop charts. Right. And on that album, there was also, you, there was yourself and then there was um, Newman and Lorenzo. That's their last names. I don't know their first names, but um, so was it a mixture of people oh, on that? No, but you had the lead single? I, I was the lead singer on all of them. Yeah. I don't know. I just, it's just part of my research. It just came out. Rachel Newman was his, um, Rachel Newman was his cousin and she sang on, I think she sang, yeah, she sang some of the backgrounds on, uh, Oh, okay. I was going to say, say it's going to rain. Yeah. Yeah. She sang that. Yeah. She sang some of the backgrounds with me on that. Yeah, well, she was real sweet. But I don't know who about them. What's Lorenzo's first name? I don't know. I don't have any first names. He he gave Maria Mendez credit for my vocals, but they were my vocals; they weren't hers. And I she I was never in the studio with her, so I don't know if she actually was on the record or not. But she was not ever. I did all the background sessions, and she was never in a background session with me. Yeah, I don't even have her name. I don't even have her name. Yeah, he listed a whole bunch of people. But yeah. no, I was the lead singer on um, the important so ones. Right. <laughs> all the hits, Thank all you. the important <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So, and then that all um, also boiled down to where um, I mean, like I said, it was a continuous stream, and then you got to you know you were touring and and going all over the place, and um, the the last single was um, uh, fading away, I believe, wasn't it? Which also was a cool yeah. cool track. I like that song. Yeah, I liked it too. Uh, when we did Fading Away, it was the very last one. So, I, you know, I'm sure Bob was like over it because we've been in the studio working on this stuff for probably two years. Now, you had a relationship with him at that time, too, didn't yes. you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. By that time, it had pretty much fizzled out. But, yeah, I was madly in love with him in the beginning. And it just kind of went south real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it I don't know. Yeah. Well, when you're popular like that and they got all kinds of things happening and all different kinds of people, people yeah. just get weird. You know, I mean, they just get yeah. weird. You know, if you, if you took a moment and you went back to, like you were saying, you know, when he, you were in his car and he was playing the music on little Casio and how cute that was. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. but those things unfortunately change as, as yeah. things, as time goes by and popularity goes by, people change, you know? Yeah. So it is, it some people don't, some people stay the same, but a lot of people, you know, change. So. You yeah, know, you've got those videos and the memories and yeah. all that fun stuff because the videos yeah. are still. I mean, I was watching them again last night and I'm like, God, you know, that's great. And your outfits that you wore. I mean, did you pick your own Thank stuff? You. 
Did you pick um, your own stuff for that? Or? Um, baby, my favorite one of all the stuff I wore were the ones in Fading Away, which were all my clothes. I like the Fading Away video the best, honestly, because I got my own hairdresser and he had my big hair back. And we did the <laughs> Baby, I Love Your Way video in New York, and they brought all the New York stylists in. So they had me in all black, and I had that beautiful white coat that was my favorite thing with white bustier and white, mm-hmm. tight, and white tights and white that, well, on the dock, I was barefoot. But anyway, that was my favorite outfit in the video. And that was mine. That was like one of my favorite show clothes. And um, the, the, all the ones in the Fading Away video were my show clothes that I loved. Now, was that white one? Because I know I remember one that was, was kind of hot. And it had like a crisscross kind of top. And it was like, I thought it was pants. But was it the white outfit yeah. you're talking about now? That one you were well, just talking well, about? Or is that a different one? Is in fading the Fading Away video. Okay, and the one I'm talking sorry, the baby I love you way video. And the one I'm the one I'm talking about, I'm trying to figure out which which video it's in, but it was white. You had your hair was all fair fawcety kind of on the sides, and it was a white outfit and it crisscrossed across the top, you know, separating the the breasts on each side, kind of like a halter, but not a not a halter, but it it was it was thick material and it it did a crisscross, you know, Um, and it. Yeah, no, it crisscrossed around around you and then came across to the back. And you had like these high-waisted, I thought, white pants. Yeah, with, you're talking about the Baby I Love You Way video. Yeah, that was okay. just a bustier and a white coat in the in the, like, in the That was cool. You looked great in that outfit. I loved it. That was my favorite outfit. <laughs> I loved white. My entire wardrobe was white. I loved white. It was my favorite. Still is. I love all mm-hmm. white. Yeah. Well, it's a good color. It works for you. It works for Thank you. you. So, um, well, let's let's go just real quick now to, to new things that, that are happening because um, I know on our next break we're going to play uh, a song that uh, you recorded and you sent um, called A Song For You, which is completely different from Will To Power. It's going back to what you kind of wanted to do, more of the jazzy yeah. um, jazzy ballads. I'm going to say torch song stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, which I love, and I think your vocals on this on this record are amazing. But they're always amazing, so you know I can't say I'm prejudiced. But who knows? You know, <laughs> I just love your voice; it's great. Um, so how how has that been um, going back? You know, now at this stage of your career and your life, going back and doing you know uh, what you wanted. I mean, are you grateful that you can yeah. do that now? You know. Oh my God, I'm so thankful. You know, my dream was to be like Whitney Houston, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey. I mean, that was my dream. I really wanted to to make it as a pop artist and have beautiful ballads and blah, blah, but in fantastic production. Um, when I was working at the Marriott, the Riverwatch, mm-hmm. George Benson sat in with us and oh. he, he was staying at the hotel and he, he was in a show there and he sat in with us and did Breeze and it was great. I had a great band. The band was great there. So anyway, his musical director and keyboard player, his name is Randy Wallman and we became friends and this was, this would have been 85. And so uh, Randy continued to keep in touch with me all those years. And the first time I came to L.A. in 86, I visited Randy and he produced a song for me. Um, Randy is probably one of the greatest piano players that ever lived. He's Barbara Streisand's musical director. Um, He's played with Beyonce, Michael Jackson, all their songs, Whitney Houston. He's done everybody big. He's one of the Mm -hmm. biggest in the business. So I was just lucky that I met him way back when. And we wrote a few songs together. And then when 
recently, like about three or four years ago, and this is a longer story, so I'll tell you when we come back, but um, he produced, I think, five songs for me. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the five songs, and he is one of the most, uh, he's played on everyone's, uh, like a lot of soundtracks. Mm-hmm. He, he's the one that did Beyonce's National Anthem. Okay. Uh, All right. You've seen that. It's like amazing. Yeah. He's the one that arranged that. But he's done Mary J. Blige. He's worked with everyone. So to get him to produce these for me was probably the thrill of my life, to be honest. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's great. I love, I, I'm, like I said, I, I love the vocals. I love the, the, um, the percussions and how it goes and how it builds and, you know, and then you hit the, you know, the point that everybody knows those lyrics and, you know, Oh, it's that song, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. So we're going to take, we're going to take a quick break and you guys are going to hear a piece of, of that. And um, you can judge yourself on how amazing it is. I consider this my masterpiece vocally. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, the vocals that I did on this I consider to be my masterpiece. Great. All right. And it's called a song for you. And we'll be back in a minute with Susie Carr. In my life and time I've sung a lot of songs I've made some bad rhymes I've acted out my life in stages Ten thousand people watching now Well, Lord And I'm singing this song What I hope to be I've treated you one kind But baby, can't you see There's no one more important to me Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Dive on in. That's right. Dive on into my favorite Prince Among Queens, Troy Bronstein. You tell him Debbie Holiday sent you. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access all the time. Hey family, this is Robin S. And you're listening to Prince Among Queens with my brother from another mother, Troy Bronstein. You're listening to Prince Among Queens with Troy Bronstein. To reach the show today, call into 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. 
888-253-5788. You can also reach out by email to Troy at t-besttalentagency.com. Now, back to Prince Among Queens. Okay, we're back for our last section here with uh, Susie Carr. And Susie, you were telling us about um, uh, working with Randy and how honored you were that he did that track. And hopefully everybody out there that just heard a piece of that uh, enjoyed it as well. So go ahead, continue on that, and then we'll go go forth. So I paid Randy to do, I think, four tracks. And they're beautiful. Um, I did um, Superstar, which is mm-hmm. one of my all-time favorite songs. To sing. That's a great track, it. too. Always has been. I thought it was a beautiful. Uh, he did a great job with it. Anyway, I, I just loved singing it. I thought it was beautiful. He did uh, a song for you, which you just played. And then I wanted to do something uplifting to, to help people in times of need, like now. Right. But this was a couple of years ago when we recorded it. And um, so I... I thought, what can I do? I always loved Josh Groban's You Raise Me Up. Mm-hmm. And actually, Randy's his musical director, too. He goes on the road with him. So um, I said, Randy, I want to do You Raise Me Up, but I want to put it, let's put it with Bridge Over Troubled Water, because I wanted to do both songs. But, I, you know, my budget was kind of limited, so I just put them together. So I thought, well, you know, we'll do it kind of like. Do the mashup, yeah. Yeah. So I did uh, You Raise Me Up into Bridge Over Troubled Water back into You Raise Me Up. And, and I think it came out really beautiful. I was very proud of it. So then on my birthday, Randy calls me up and he goes, Susie, he, he had had me come over and sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow for this. He's a helicopter pilot. Too. Mm-hmm. He, teaches heli- he teaches. So they were doing a commercial for his helicopter thing. Anyway, they needed someone to sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, that um, Hawaiian version. You right. know, that, that, yeah. So he, he sits, will you do this for me? I said, sure. So, you know, it took me like five minutes. So he calls me up on my birthday and he goes, Susie, uh, I would love to have you put your vocals on this track that I have. You know, his tracks are expensive. He goes, um, this girl had me do a track for Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And it's real. And I'd love to put your vocals on it. Would you want to sing it? And I said, sure. So I go in the studio. I put my vocals on it. The most elaborate background vocals I've ever heard in my life. I've never done anything so hard in my life. The background vocals. Mm-hmm. Because Randy arranged them. So, you know, he's a genius. So I'm like, it's like things that don't make any sense. Like, oh, oh you know, and it doesn't yeah. make any sense. And when you put it together, it's like, oh, my God, that's magical. So anyway, I did Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And it came out really beautiful. And then my best friend called me and had me come to Fort Lauderdale to do the uh, Neiman Marcus fashion show. And she said, you have to do Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's my dad's favorite. It was They played it at her dad's funeral. It's his favorite song. She said, I cry every time I hear it. You have to come to Fort Lauderdale and do it. So my brother lived in Fort Lauderdale. And I said, oh, great. I'll come stay with Tom. And so Tom goes, well, I'll do a video for it. And we'll put it behind you as you're singing it in the um, fashion show. Right. He did this amazing video with... Um, the Wizard of Oz, you know, all the Wizard of Oz excerpts, and mm-hmm. it's beautiful. And to this day, every time I post it, it's everybody's favorite video. It's really wow. beautiful. Wow, that's really great. Beautiful. So that's anyway, great. that came out really good, and it turned out to be my brother's last video. As you know, I lost him to COVID. Right, right. I'm so still sorry. Not, I'm still not over it. And um, it's the hardest thing I ever had to go through in my life. It's hard. Him, it's hard. Him. Yeah. And so anyway, it was so, so nice to have this, you know, video that he made. It's like such a beautiful gift from him. That's nice. You so, could give that to him. Yeah. 
yeah, it was beautiful. So anyway, Randy calls me up um, about two months ago. No, it was it was in May. He called me up and he goes, Susie, you know, I was driving. He has a Tesla and he'll he'll like back it up without him being in the car, you know. Well, watch this and you'll stand there and he'll back the Tesla up and nobody's in it. He goes, I was listening to our songs. They came on and I was listening to him and he goes, we need to put those up for the Grammys. We need to get those nominated to be considered for Grammy because he said mm-hmm. the songs are so good. He said, we've got to get them out there somehow. And I said, oh my God, Randy, because he had already won several Grammys. So he right. kind of knows how it works. And I never, I never dreamed, you know, that never entered my mind. Well, actually, I can tell you, send the information to me and I'll include it in my ballot because I get to I do a submission for the Grammys. So go ahead and do do that. But real, real quick, we got three minutes left before we got to go. I got to get my three favorite things um, that have every artist tell me on on the show, your favorite city, show and song. So your favorite city, what favorite, what's your favorite city, whether you're doing a show or not? What's your favorite city that you love to be at or go to? Maui. I'm a Hawaii girl. A Hawaiian girl? I'm Maui. Okay. That's a good one. And what about your favorite show? Um, My favorite show is actually just a few years ago. It's in San San Jose at that big center. I forget what it's called. There were 14,000 people there. And the people went crazy. As you know, these freestyle artists go insane. They're like, they love, they just love love their freestyle acts it was the best show i've ever done they screamed through the whole show and fourteen thousand people and um it was amazing i had a great time and where was that at it was in san jose at the something center what that oh at the um i know um, yeah i know where it is it's at the um oh god it's it's uh, something center yeah it's the um where the sharks and everybody plays it's that um was it an allen beck show yeah Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was at the right. at my favorite one. And then we did one in St. Lucie uh, back when we were all together and they mm-hmm. treated us like Michael Jackson. They were chasing the limo and pounding on it. I mean, it was really fun. It was an outdoor <laughs> concert uh-huh. back in the day. That, that was probably the most attention we'd ever gotten. I swear they treated us like we were Michael Jackson. And what about yeah, your favorite song? The limo. <laughs> uh, my favorite song, probably to sing is Superstar, but I want to say this. I remember saying to, I remember saying, God, I hope I don't have to be singing Dreaming in 10 years, like back when, you know, back when it was out. Right. And today it's the best song I do when we're, when we're in concert, people mm-hmm. go crazy. So it's so ironic that I said, oh God, I hope I don't have to be singing Dreaming in 10 years. <laughs> and then now I give anything to be singing it because and that's- it's like. It's crazy. It's just it's, the happiest song. It's funny how that happens. And a lot of times that happens like with B-sides, you know, of somebody's record. Yeah. And, you know, it's the song that that's the one that takes off. And, you know, they're like going, wow, you know, I didn't I didn't uh, realize that at all or expect that to happen at all. But yeah, anyhow, I want to thank you very, very, very much for being on my show. I love you, as you know. And um, I love you more. It, the time just flew by like it always seems to do. And I hope everybody out there enjoyed um, our show today with Susie and her stories and, and our talk about the business. Um, next week, we're going to have uh, a, an artist on, Sharvani, who's the current voice of Black Box. And um, she'll be on our show next week. And so, Susie, thank you again, my dear. 
And um, you. hopefully you enjoyed. Hopefully you enjoyed being on the show and enjoyed oh, I it. I loved it. That's the most fun I've had all year. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Thank you, Troy. I love you so much. Love Such you too, sweetheart. Day. Don't go nowhere because then uh, we're going to be back. So, all right. My name is Troy Bronstein, and I want to thank everybody for listening to my show, Prince Among Queens. And we will see everybody next week. Enjoy. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Prince Among Queens. Be sure to join host Troy Bronstein for another great episode next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, enjoy your week.